You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 156 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, partner in crime, Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you? I am good. I'm. Uh, you look comfy. You're in your chair today and not at your desk. I'm in my chair. It's a uh, it's a Friday afternoon, and I'm kind of trying to shut it down for the weekend. It's actually my birthday tomorrow, so I'm oh, going to yeah, take taking the day off and uh, what is figure six, out sixty eight, right? <laughs> I don't look a day over. Um, <laughs> How old are you going to be? I'm not going to tell all these people that. Okay, I'll just look at your driver's license. I'm sure I have it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you can check my passport. That's funny. Well, um, I'm just so glad that we got to work together last weekend. We were uh, in uh, Atlanta together at Passion, and it was great. I love being able to kick off the holiday season with what they're doing. And I just got to say, I mean, that was it was really fun. And it was a great band, great songs, great programming. It was just it's it's really it's always fun to be a part. It's it's cool, and I think the 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 team there has really moved in a really good direction lately, and is under some great leadership. And I feel like I don't know. There's just you're talking about Ray, not me, right? Right, hundred percent. Yeah, Ray Corey and uh, Brian Wurzel, who are kind of leading the charge. It's just it's been great to see. Just there's a refreshing spirit around the team, which is really gratifying. Yeah, it's been awesome. Young team, looking for a new t- few new team members, if anyone uh, is searching. But we've got a young team that is excited about what they're doing, and that makes the world a difference. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, you your mix crushed. Thank you. I know I don't have to tell you that. I mean, we all have good days and bad days. You had a great day. Oh. Uh, standout things for me were your toms and uh, – I saw where your overhead fader was, and it was up higher than I normally run it in that room, which was impressive to me. So, Well, thanks. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, what are you doing for the holidays? Um, I'm going to be home, see my fam. Nice. Uh, I've traveled so much this year, more than I intended. So I think my mother will appreciate me being home. They only live 30 minutes from me, so it's sometimes it's just very hard. Let me explain my mother to, to you real quick. She has never driven a car. So she's just like in the best way, her world is just simple. Yeah. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to her at like 4.30 or 5 o'clock, she doesn't understand why I don't want to come over for dinner. Because for and you, two it takes take over an hour to get there. Yeah, hour, hour and a half to get there at rush hour. And so say that I get there at 6, my nephew goes to bed at 7.30, my sister's for sure in bed by 8.30, even though she's on like the Instagram till 10.30, <laughs> my dad my dad goes to bed around 9, and my mom's generally in bed around then too. So going there for 30, 45 minutes at dinner time is not enjoyable for me either. Yeah. So Christmas time, traffic's way less, and uh, I'm the king of saying I'll spend the night. But once everyone goes to bed at nine o'clock, I just drive home and come back in the morning. <laughs> That's funny. I will spend the night Christmas Eve so I can do Santa stuff with my nephew in yeah. the morning. 
because you want to wake up Christmas morning with all the magic of Christmas. Yeah, and I eat the cookie, you know. There you go. That's really what it's about. And then right after Christmas, uh, we head to Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the Passion Conference 2024. That's January 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And this year, I am manning the production desk. So all the video playback, talking heads for the talks and announcements and all that. And then each of the band consoles come into my desk for processing to the PA. So similar to last year, um, it's going to be a great event. Can't wait. You know who we should have on um, the podcast is Josiah at yeah. some point. Yeah. Josiah Canzanella is the one who is kind of coordinating all the audio in advance. And so he's in charge of the paperwork and personnel and figuring out all the routing and all the integration. And it is a massive job. Well, I've worked with Josiah uh, in many realms. Obviously, him and I uh, work together on Passion DC. Yep. since he's up there and stuff. And his level of pay- paperwork doesn't change uh, whether it's a two-microphone event or a stadium <laughs> event. Yeah. Uh, very, very attentive to detail. Yeah, I love that about him. And there's no questions uh, about where things go with his paperwork. I think he can be really helpful in, to our audience on how to prep for stuff. So That'd for be special great. occasions. That'd too, be yeah. very cool. Let's do that. So we're not doing that today, though. Today, we're talking to Trey Smith, who's the front of house engineer for Thomas Rhett and does a lot with Sarah Borellis as well and is just an all-around awesome dude. So can't what wait. What a guy. What a guy. Can't wait to get to this conversation. We'll do that right after this. We're also thrilled today to be joined by Trey Smith. Trey is becoming a good friend. He's uh, an incredible engineer front of house mixer for Thomas Rhett and others. So Trey, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Honored to be here. Honored to be here with you guys. Trey, how old are you? I am 38. 38 years Man. old. Is that all right? I think, um, yeah, I think okay. our, our ages combined, we would get close to Jeff. <laughs> We're almost there. <laughs> how old are you, Jay? I'm 41. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So keep chasing me, boys. It's, uh, <laughs> The future's bright, let me just tell you. Trey, where did we first meet? Was that um, when you were out with Sarah Borellis? I think so, at uh, that I, shed in Atlanta. Was that right? Chastain. Chastain. Yeah, I had yeah. come to um, see Steve and Kara yep. and Claire. Yep, yep. That's great. Sounded great. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun one. I think I had an XL4 on that tour, actually. Oh, you nice. Did, like a bunch you of did, outboard uh, gear and whatnot. Yeah. Why wouldn't you with Sarah Borellis? Exactly. It was, you know, that, that tour allowed it, allowed for it. And so I was like, when a better time hopefully, than I can, you know, than now. To be hopefully able to someone it. else was tipping that thing every day, not you. Fortunately, <laughs> yes. Yes, that is true. I was also the production manager, so I had, a, a, I guess, a little bit more of an excuse to not tip my console. Yeah, yeah production yeah. manager is a role where it's good because you can get away with kind of hiding in a back room somewhere backstage for most of the day and yes. let, other, let other people take care of the heavy lifting. That's good. Yeah. We were doing like the boutique amphitheaters on that one. So a lot of them, although a lot of them were older, right? So they probably did have analog consoles throughout the day, but everyone got used, all those stagehands got used to, you know, digital, whatever. And so they had these, a lot of them had front of house setups where it was, um, like the railings that wouldn't come out of the ground that you had to get mm-hmm. the console 
through or over. So yeah, they had to over. like handball a XL4 and four outboard racks of gear and whatever else. But sorry, That's everyone. And it'll keep you young. <laughs> yeah. So Trey, for people who aren't familiar with you and your background, why don't you just give us a, just kind of a quick history of your upbringing and how you got into all this and you know, yeah. how you got to where you are today. Yeah. I wanted to be a front of house engineer from, I think like eight or nine years old. It's really weird. Really? Um, yeah. I, I honestly don't know how I even knew the job existed. Um, because my, my dad's a lawyer and like my mom, you know, like they weren't, we weren't in the music business at all. And, um, and so I just found, in fact, I was just infatuated with it. And, um, I even drew like pictures of mixing consoles when I was like eight, nine years old, like literally my, my mom still has one at the house and her house. And, um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I just, uh, was that guy. So when, you know, kids would be playing with, you know, doing fake performances at the house with a karaoke machine or whatever, I would, um, be the person running sound with a karaoke machine at like 10 years old. And that's what I wanted for Christmas was I would go to the dialing in that reverb. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Heck yeah. Amazing Echo. reverb. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, I wanted like for Christmas, I would want like a microphone and an XLR cable. It was literally, I'd go to the local music store in Indiana and, and try to look at the XLRs and all that stuff. So I don't know. It was crazy. But anyway, so I started really getting into it then. And, um, so had you, had you been to a concert or like, yes. did you see it at church? Like, how did you even know what a well, mixing console was? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I guess I went to, uh, yeah, various like concerts and things going up, you know, around and, and would see, um, the sound man doing sound and we just thought it was so cool with all the buttons and stuff. And I remember going to a Dave Matthews concert when I was really young and I went up to the front of house guy and I was, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12, whatever. But I went up to him and just started talking to him and I would, you know, just ask questions. And I don't know from that, from basically from a young age on, I, I would just been into it. So I, um, went to the church I grew up to or grew up in, um, and went to, uh, was was a Catholic church actually, and so okay. we didn't. It wasn't as much like on the production front, of, if you will. Like it was, um, yeah, there wasn't that much gear. But I did run sound when I was in like high school. Um, I was actually a DJ in middle school. Yes, you were. I just try. I I know, and I it still surprises me to this day um, that I actually did that. But I did like hospital like the christmas parties for hot the local hospital and stuff and like <laughs> dances awesome. for school and stuff and um i couldn't even drive yet and i had a pa system and, and a, you know i just wanted to get into doing stuff and so i just started Two doing pvs it. please tell me it was pvs it was man what was it it might have been pvs yeah i think it might have been actually i honestly don't even remember it's been it's been a minute but um Anyway, like the Newmark CDR or CD, you know, deck with the little mixer built in kind of thing and, and lights and all that, a little smoke machine. I thought it was so cool. But um, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and then went to um, did a little bit in high school at like with theater and stuff. But really what, what started was I found Belmont University in Nashville. Yep. And um I looked at a few different schools and there weren't too many at the time that had, um, 
live sound as, as a focus. Like there was a lot, a good bit of like studio type focus, you know, to be a studio engineer. And then um, a lot of sound design, like for musical theater and that sort of thing. But um, basically started, uh, I found Belmont University and they had a performing arts center where they had a PM1D and like a custom install Claire rig and a bunch of, you know, gear and and you could as a student work there and run sound for a bunch of different things and so i started doing that and frank baird who was our who ran the facility the performing arts uh, facility was awesome he was an old touring guy and worked for claire also actually and he just kind of taught how to how to do it right and he kind of was a little tough and kind of didn't care to be uh always appropriate. I mean, he's always very kind and I love him, but he, he, um, he just would just be straight up and like it is in the real world. And yeah, we learned how school. to, yeah, we learned how to do it like you do on a, on a gig. And man, there's so many people who are still doing it to this day. Um, from that era of like two, around two years plus or minus of my time at Belmont who are like front of house monitors, uh, system engineers, you know, crew chiefs on with audio teams and, and whatnot on the, on the, on tour. So it's pretty cool to still basically be working with the people for a lo- almost 20 years now, um, from Belmont to, to do that now. And then, um, actually didn't finish school. I left early. My, uh, advisor told me to, I had a, I was kind of touring throughout Belmont after a while, um, small tours, like in a van and trailer earning my stripes and whatnot doing that. But, um, I, my advisor, when I got offered a tour that actually pretty much conflicted with doing any school at all, was just like, look, if you're, if you want to do this and, and you have a, and you have um, an opportunity to do it, I think you should just leave. And I was like, okay, all right. So <laughs> my parents, God bless them, uh, got through that. And um, what was their first reaction? Were they like, no way? Or were they um, like, you know what? This is your dream. You got to yeah, do it. Yeah, I, I remember the conversation. Uh, it was just, you know, like I said, my dad was a very learned man. I mean, you know, he he went to Notre Dame and went to law school there and did all that. So, like, they just knew that school was kind of what you did. You went to college and you graduated and you had a degree. And and um, but honestly, they were super supportive and 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 respected my decision. And and they knew also, I think, that the music business was a different type of route as you don't need a degree yeah. to do what I do. And, um, but anyway, I've been touring ever since. So yeah, that's kind of how I, that's a long version of how I got where I'm at now, or at least started. How are your parents now with everything? Oh, they love it. Yeah. They love it. They love following the artists I work for and, um, get excited when, you know, they win awards or do TV shows and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, they come, come out to the shows and yeah. So that's awesome. It. Yeah. That's great. My mom thinks I'm a DJ, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Trey has some gear you could borrow. I can give you some tips, Jay, if you, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, after that sort of first foray into touring, yeah. obviously you've been, you've been doing it for a while. So talk for a minute about just that journey and how you got from yeah. van, van and trailer to Thomas Rhett and sold out arenas and big, big, big shows. Yeah. So I, I feel like 
in my opinion, there's kind of two ways to get in touring and doing this. And, or, I mean, obviously there's maybe more than two ways, but the two most common ways, and please correct me if you have any more ideas, but that I've seen at least is either you work for a sound company and you, you know, you kind of work your way up there from whether it be a shop kid to, to put on a tour as a patch person or a fly tech yep. or whatever to then doing systems and, and then mixing it know eventually potentially um or just kind of start working with bands and and just kind of doing that and that was the route i took i i, I worked for a sound company in indiana um in between college or sorry in between high school and college uh which also i learned a ton at that as well it was a regional sound company but they did big shows and so i learned a lot um how to drive a box truck and do just the grunt work stuff and how then, to load that box truck and how to yep. unload that box truck and yep all yep. those things. Oh yeah. Um, and then, um, but yeah, other than that, I haven't really worked at a sound company full time at all. I just, so I started in college working for bands that were kind of in school and then some artists, independent artists that were doing stuff, um, around Nashville and then just literally started growing my, I guess my brand or whatever, if, whatever you want to call it, um, from that, on, that point on. So, um, I left school with an artist named John McLaughlin, the keyboard player, not the, not Y'all, the, I love actually Jeff, I'm going to send you, well, you have, I don't have to send you a CD. You have Spotify, but I love his <laughs> mood records. Do you, do you have those? I, I have listened to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got them yeah. on vinyl. Yeah. And oh, they are really? amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's, they're, they're great. He's awesome. So we're actually, oddly enough, from the same hometown of Anderson, Indiana. Um, and a lot of his band were also from Anderson. So it was kind of this, I don't know, cool. Well, also, the drummer at the time, I knew, I got into that gig pretty much through the drummer, Chad Kenner, who, um, used to give me drum lessons back in Anderson. Wow. So random. Um, again. A- Anderson, Indiana. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yep. my, so my dad was a pastor in the Church of God out of Anderson, Indiana. Yeah. And so yep. a lot of connections there. Obviously, yep. our good buddy Kyle McMahon oh, yeah. lives in Anderson. So and- Kyle and I are from Edgewood. Technically, yeah. so Anderson is like the town or the city, and Edge was like the little town. Kyle and I lived two and a half blocks from each other, and we both worked at Mid America in that That's in amazing. that interim between high school. And so Kyle would sometimes drive me to to the shop at Mid America. <laughs> so small, small world. Yeah, aren't the Gaithers up that way? Gaithers somewhere? are that way too. Alexandria, yep. think, Alexandria, yeah. which is right next yeah. door. And then, uh, yep. Sine Wave is Sine Wave. Sine Wave is up there. Yep. Yep. And, and Mr. Yep. Ben Gale. Yep. That's ben right. Mid America provided a ton yep. of our PA support Tomlin. on Tomlin. I mean, PA oh, yes. and yep. console packages and all that stuff. Yep. Kyle Sperling was my system tech for many tours and. Mm-hmm. All those, all those guys. You know, yeah. I've always said whether it's Sinewave or uh, Mid America or even Majestic on the lighting side, mm-hmm. I'll take. I love Ryan Bates. Man, I'll take an Indiana farm raised, hardworking kid on any tour because <laughs> there's a there's a work ethic, there's just a genuineness yeah. and a generosity. I don't know. It's it's a cultural thing for sure, but man, that part of Indiana has got some rock stars that have yeah, come out of that place. On. It's awesome. Some thoroughbred. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so John from Anderson as well and a lot of his band. And, and so I got looped in 
I guess kind of through that connection. Um, and, uh, and then toured with them for a while. And that's what caused me to leave school because, um, we we're opening up for Kelly Clarkson, um, on a, uh. on a, th- on her theater tour, which she did. And, um, I thought it was the coolest thing. It's kind of hard to say no to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then from there did a kind of a co-headline tour with Sarah Bareilles, John and Sarah did, uh, we were doing like small clubs and, um, and then next year, Sarah called me in 2008 and, um, and I started working with her and that's kind of what took me to the next stage in my career. And I've been still doing stuff with Sarah to this day. Um, and, I listened um, to Satellite just the other day. It's a great song. Yeah. Such a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Especially live. It's... Well, how'd you end up with Thomas Rhett? Um, so Kevin Twist, our production manager. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know Kevin was production manager. Yeah, yeah. I think I met Kevin. Wasn't he at Spectrum for a minute? He was. Yeah, He was. That's yeah. where yeah. I met mm-hmm. Kevin. Yeah. He uh, was mixing in front of house, and, um, and then it kind of got to the point in the size of, of tour that they wanted to get a dedicated front of house person and then allow him just to be the PM. And we went to Belmont together and also worked with Sarah and um, Matt Carney back in the day yeah. together. Wow. Um, me and Twisted. And, and so we obviously knew each other from back in those days and in, in Belmont as well. Uh, and um, so we, uh, he called me up for the tour and been there for over five years now as front of house for TR. And you get to tour with our good friend, Alec. Alec. Yes. Alec is. Tell us, <laughs> tell us two things you love about Alec and one thing you don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, we're talking about Alec Takahashi. Yes. Who is TR's lighting designer and Pernelli won, award-winning. Yeah, Pernelli award-winning lighting designer. And, and is, nominated uh, again. Nominated again this year. Yeah. For production designer. Wow. Which is awesome. Yeah. Must be must be paying people off. I know. I, I'm trying to get the answer out of him, but he's, he's not <laughs> no, he's All right. Two things you like about two him. Two things I like. Um I he has a great taste in food, so we do enjoy some good food. Um and I would say another thing that I like, I mean I'll keep it food related, is he's great taste in coffee as well. So I um, oddly enough, he did like a PLSN article or whatever. And uh, a couple of years ago for the, one of the tours uh, to highlight, and he put me down as the coffee barista on the tour and it actually got published as like, That's you know, like amazing. production manager, lighting <laughs> yep. what, crew. And then it was a coffee barista, Trey Smith. And I was like, yes, I've made it. <laughs> That's um, funny. he tried it again and they wouldn't allow that to be published apparently. Um, <laughs> but we have like your, a your coffee- agent, your agent called ahead. Yeah, exactly. We have like a, I have a coffee little rig station in my front of house package. And so we, uh, we just kind of hang out in front of house and drink coffee and, and hang out. Uh, one thing I don't like Jay not to say something negative about him. Um, no, I don't have to be negative. We can okay. say like, you know, his, his shoes smell. His shoes smell. Should, um, uh, you know, I would say, Hmm. He does snore pretty loudly mm. in the bunks yeah. and we're on the same bus. Yeah, so, anytime you're on a yeah. bus with somebody and they're snoring, it's just it's well, that, a bummer. Yeah. We call that Sorry, the Clay Alex. Casey. There's no one no one better than Clay Casey. Yeah. I have a video. I actually I think I will post the audio for this right here in this podcast because I have a voice memo 
of Clay on the bus with Tomlin. And I all I did was I opened up my phone, went to my voice memos, and hit record. So it's in my bunk, through my curtain, across the hall, through his curtain. Oh, and gosh. the audio that you hear of him snoring, this is what I heard from inside my bunk. That's amazing. So, well, I lived yeah, with him, yeah, so you don't have to, to tell it. me. Anytime you're next to somebody snoring that loudly, it's going to be a bit of a bummer. So, Alec, um, you might need to go see the doctor. Yeah. You know, actually, I have another thing, Jay. I'm going to go with two. Now one the truth comes out. Me, well, it just came <laughs> to mind was he likes to film me. I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram or anything, but he likes yes. to just film me. And there are always just not the worst pictures or videos of me. And it's just like he <laughs> likes to catch me in these moments and he loves it. Um, and so I'm always like, Alec, you have to get my approval before you just put these my face everywhere on your Instagram. That's amazing. But it's really funny. Like now his like friends of his will come up and be like, oh, you're Trey from his Instagram videos. And I'm like, <laughs> That's, you're, you're famous because of Alex's Instagram. Famous, like, yeah. On Alex's Instagram because of his desire to just make you know, is uh, is Jamie Porti out with you guys? He is, yeah. Keys. Yeah. Jamie's a friend a of ours from Atlanta. Nice. Yeah, he's a beast. Okay, cool, cool. He, he's, he's a beast. Tell him yeah. a sweet guy too. Yeah, he's mm. he's awesome. So I saw Alec last week at um, the Salt Conference. Oh yeah. We were both we were both teaching a breakout, but the problem was our breakouts were at the same time. So he ran right. into my room, gave me a hug and said hello, but then he had to go teach and then I was teaching and then we both took off right after. So I didn't have nearly enough time to catch up with Alec, but yeah, um, he's awesome. I will say, you know, one of the most genuinely kind people. Yeah. He's just, he's awesome. He's hosted my wife and daughter at Thomas Rhett shows lately mm -hmm. since I, for some reason I'm never available because I'm always on some other gig. Twice now. Yes. Twice. Yeah. But, they just, my daughter will ask about Alec all the time. And I'm like, why are you talking about a lighting guy? Come on, man. Yeah. And she just, yeah. she loves him. That's awesome. Wait, does she talk about Alec more than she talks about me? Because that's no. going to be upsetting. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. You're still number one, Jay. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm a favorite in the Sandstrom household. Yeah. yeah at least. least with Liz and Stella. Yeah. He's at awesome. Least. Great, great, great friend. Great friend to have out on the tour as well. We have a, a great time together. But also, not to talk him up too much but he is he is truly an amazing talent when it comes to what he's doing i mean for how young he is too it's just like i mean it shows just with all the awards he's winning and the work he puts yeah. out is it's crazy so fortunate to cool. have him out there that's awesome so you guys are kind of winding down for the year you had a a pretty big year this year but yeah you've just got a, a few more shows left like what's your how do you guys handle like holidays and tapering yeah. off and then building into the next tour. So we have a couple shows this year. Um, we're doing the, um, the new year's Eve Nashville bash situation down That'll on be the, uh, bicentennial park in Nashville, which I think is aired on TV and all that good stuff. So lots of people are going to be there. I think we're apparently not playing last so we can get out of there maybe before the craziness happens. And, okay. That's great. You know, um, but yeah, so we're doing that. And then we ended for the most part, we ended tour in, um, end of September. We finished with two nights in Nashville and, um, 
and then we are off until next year, except for those couple last shows that we have. And so, um, just been enjoying time at home with the family and so good, you know, we were about eight months of not nonstop touring, but you know, we do the weekend warrior three days a week kind of situation for the most part. But, um, we, we did a lot between that and we like to rehearse. So we rehearse a lot. Um, so that's rehearsals good. and that's a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a busy year. It was a good year. Um, we were all indoor, which is also awesome because air conditioning is great. And, um, and then, yeah, next year will be great. I think we start back up with shows in March. So pretty That's much awesome. for the most part, we're, we're off until then. And then, you know, it also gives you time to do other projects and pick up work and with other artists or different things like that. Do you mix at home at all? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do okay. post-production like broadcast mixing and whatnot at home. Um, and then doing some a one stuff for like some TV shoots and whatnot. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So it's been, it's been fun to kind of diversify a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's been good. That's very cool. So obviously a lot of our audience, most of our audience are church production folks. Yeah. So if you're comfortable, I'd love to hear some about your faith journey as well. Cause I know that the church is really sure. important to you and, um, obviously helping churches and, you know, what you're going to be doing for MXU in terms of just filming content and trying to help our tribe get better. I would mm -hmm. just love to kind of hear some about that side of your story as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I grew up Catholic. Yeah. And then um, I, we would go to church all the time. And for me personally, it was um, a pretty religious process, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I always kind of wanted to have more relationship with, with, with God, with Jesus. And for me personally, it just wasn't something I, um, you know, was able to understand how to do that, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, and when I went to Belmont, I started meeting a lot of people who had different backgrounds with, with God and upbringings and, um, and, became friends with different people who went to like non-denominational churches or Presbyterian and all that. And for the most part, that was like the first time I really um, had friends who I openly talked with about God, you know? Hmm. And um, I, it wasn't though until later on in my twenties that I actually would say that I started a relationship with Jesus and, um, and through a pretty, big about face in my life. I, I made a pretty big turn from um, just doing whatever I wanted to do as, as a guy to really surrendering my life to God and to Jesus. And um, at that point, I uh, just had a huge revelation of, of wanting to turn away from my own desires and, and, and sin that I had in my life to wanting to turn to to live righteously and, and walk with Jesus and really steward that relationship and, and grow my faith. And, and, uh, so that happened and, um, I've been pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty much involved in, in, and so end that story to kind of keep it somewhat short. I, we, a uh, bunch of friends and I were also going through that same process at the same time. Okay. And, um, we, uh, different backgrounds though. Like some people didn't 
go to church at all. Some people went to, you know, um, uh, like I said, non-denominational churches or what have you. Um, but they all, for the most part, were in their mid to late 20s and all kind of really experiencing God for the first time in a real mm-hmm. way in their life. Um, and so it basically started kind of like a house church. And we um, now have have uh, this church called Nashville Life Christian Church here in Nashville. And that's where I go. I met my wife at the house church. Um, that's awesome. And uh, still great friends from, from that time now. And, um, and so one of my roommates uh, from college and after college as well, Alvin is now my pastor, uh, one of my best friends. And, and, um, and so he's the pastor of the church. His parents were the founding pastors. They, they started it and they, they were in all, um, also in like gospel music and, and whatnot. So wait, Alvin's the, mu- the musician. Does he play? He does. He is a musician. His mom yeah, is, I've met him. Yeah. 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 His mom's a gospel awesome. singer and, and, um, yeah. And so they, you know, were in ministry for their whole life. Um, and then uh-huh. they kind of basically founded this church out of, out of a need for a bunch of <laughs> late 20 year olds, uh, not having a church home and wanting to grow with God. They're like, okay, well, we'll just start doing this and see what happens kind of thing. And, and not, <laughs> and they even say now jokingly, like this was not their desire, but, um, <laughs> they, 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 um, they were obedient to God. And, and so, um, yeah, it's it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, the church is, but awesome. also obviously Jesus and and uh, and so yeah, that's my that's my. So, how many people are involved in the church now? I mean, it sounds like it started with just a half a dozen or so, or a dozen yeah, people in it. We started with about like twenty twenty five was like the the first time we did the house church thing, um, and uh, now I mean several hundred people, probably like five hundred. That's awesome. That are members now. Um, so we, cool. Yeah, we have a, our own church building. We got a couple of years ago. We were meeting at a, another large campus here in Nashville. They were super kind to let us use their facility after their service was in the morning. And um, so now we have our own building with, you know, all the gear and everything else now. So, yeah, that's great. cool. Well, you know, Jay and I both know what that is like trying to manage some of those things while you're touring and on the road and away from family and all that. So, yeah. Do you, ha- do you have any, like, for for people who are listening who are struggling with that, maybe they're on a tour or they're just kind of in and out of church a bunch because mm-hmm. of travel. Do you have any like tips or things that you've learned of how do you stay engaged when you're on the road or how do you come back, you know, re-engage? And, you know, my wife used to call it re-entry where every time I was away for a few weeks on a tour, there was this period with her and the kid where it was like, okay, we, we've established our own little routine for the last few weeks and now you're back. So how do we kind of navigate some of those things? I mean, any, yeah. anything like that that you've, that you've learned that you would share? Yeah. Um, I would say I've gone through different stages, right? Because I, I, um, was single for a while as really a practicing Christian. Um, and then now being married and now with two young kids, it's a different, way of doing it. But when I was single, um, and into this period now, obviously as well, but more so when I was single, I had a really close group of friends back home that I was able to 
connect with and really able to be accountable to um, for anything, you know, whether yeah. things we're talking about, working on and whatnot to um, just someone to talk to that um, is um, willing to, you can be honest with. And so I would say that if you're single and don't have a wife right now um, or a husband, if you're, you know, you're, um, you're not married, I should say um, you, uh, you can have someone that you can call and, and just be able to be honest with is hard. Yeah. Another thing that um, I love in my spot right now, and honestly, throughout my touring time, I've always had really great people um, who I was able to um, be on the road with. Even if they weren't Christians, like I was able to just be able to be with some great people who who were encouraging to be around, but also to like now, like on TR, have Alec and a lot of other people, Jeremy, my system engineer, and just a ton of different people on the road who are, are believers and, and, um, and want to have those conversations. And, and so that's, that's important too. If you can find that kind of dynamic on, on tour, it's, it's great to be able yeah, to do that. That's awesome. Now being married, I have my wife who obviously we, we stay connected and talk through a lot of stuff and, um, and, and, when you get back in, in town, I mean, I think it's important to be as involved as you can with your local church as physically possible, which is hard because there's a lot of times if you're doing a Christian tour or something where you're doing shows on Sundays or even a, you know, a pop tour where you're gone all the time or whatever it may be, you know, when you're home, be as involved as you can. Um, and I did that. Like I really pushed myself, even if, it, even if I was tired or, or, you know, I wanted to just uh, relax. I still would be a part of a life group, be um, a part of serving, um, be accountable to people. And also another thing too, that I've found super beneficial in my life is also leading a life group or leading people, discipling mm -hmm. others. Um, I found that that also is a way to hold yourself accountable um, and to grow in your faith, because when you, it's one thing to just receive, but when you're actually leading other people and, um, people are looking to you for, for help and wisdom and, um, guidance, it's a whole nother level of, of responsibility and whether it be in your personal time with God, how you live your life, um, and just making sure you're present. So leading others is a huge huge way that I found to also keep myself continuing to grow with God, even being gone for months at a time. That's awesome, man. That's super helpful. So let's shift gears a little bit. Cause I know people are dying to know about your actual rig and how you approach mixing. So talk to us about your console, yeah. um, workflow, outboard gear process, philosophy, like just kind of, Give the people what they want. This is why. This is really yeah. why everybody tunes in. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I am on with Thomas Rhett. I'm on a Quantum Seven uh, at front of house. Where both ends we have Quantum Sevens, and um, we are that's, on. That's Digico for people who sorry. aren't. Uh, yes, Digico totally Quantum Seven. Yeah. Yep. Who, who's at monitors with you? A guy named Jimmy Nicholson. Um, he was a or is a British guy. Lives in L.A. But an old Brit row guy. And, um, we have had him out since basically he started like 
nine months after I started. So um, he's super smart, intelligent, and I learned a ton from him. Just um, he, he, I think got a degree in like computer programming and all this kind of stuff. So we have a ton of um, stuff going on that I won't take the time to go into on stage side, but we are on optichord loop. So every um, IO device that we have in our loop is connected through optichord HMA connectors. And so we are running everything um, that way. So we share head amps um, and we, most of though our inputs are all digital. So um, from various rigs that we have off stage and like our keys world is, so Jamie, as you mentioned, is our keyboard, is our pianist on tour, but he, everything's controlled by a main stage rig. It's pretty massive double wide with redundant computers and everything going Maddie into an orange box um, from that. Is for Scotty example. Dugan still out with you guys? He is. Yes. Yep. He's a brainiac. He is also amazing at what he does. He is incredible. Yeah. He's also a great player. Yeah. Yep. Piano <laughs> player. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's awesome. Uh, so he's out there and, and then Bradley Lake is who runs keys and, um, for Scott, for Jamie. And, um, and so, yeah, so all that's ran over Maddie to orange boxes, which then go on the loop and we pick all that up. So that's all digital input. So ton of time, as I mentioned, we spend in rehearsals, we're dialing in a lot of levels and sounds that change for each song for whatever, you know, say keyboards Jamie's playing or our guitars are are being used for those songs. We are doing a lot of work on the stage side to get those levels right, get the tone correct, um, which is setting the foundation to be really solid. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, guitars, we also, um, every single guitar, bass, steel guitar, acoustics, or at least one of our acoustic player, um, all the electric guitars, Dobro, they all go through Line 6 Helix. We have no wow. guitar amps at all. Um, we have, I think, maybe one of the largest deployments of Line 6 Helix out there. Um, we also apparently have the um, the largest deployments of, of Mio's on tour as well. Um, mm. And so everything is fired, you know, everything's running off of uh, Synthi, uh, controlling and sending program changes, controlling everything um, for all changes for each song and many song, many songs within the song have changes as well, you know, for guitar changes and first chorus, bridge, all that kind of stuff and, and solos and whatnot is shooting a program change over to their rigs. And we are um, programming all that in the line six helix. I am not, but our guitarists are and their techs <laughs> are. <laughs> um, but we do work a lot of time, as I mentioned in rehearsal, um, building the foundation. So I'll be in a mixed room that I have set up where I can really micro in on on stuff and, and be mm -hmm. able to hear how it's going to sound in the full mix because they're just listening on their in-ears, which is great, but it's still a mix that they've kind of created to um, work for themselves so they can play a part. I'm hearing it from the full scope of a mix, you know, for, from a front of house perspective. You taking all those inputs just as a stereo channel or are you taking things split out per part as it's, as it's coming to you? We are taking it as a stereo 
input. Yep. So, so you have yes. to do a lot of work on the front end to make sure that when it gets to your desk, it can get out to the PA without being massively different, different because yeah. you're not, you're not changing your processing really from section to section of the song. You're Correct. relying on that in pre-production to be able to get the tones right within those sections. Correct. Exactly right. Yep. Yep. So we spend a ton of time just being able to program how, I mean, it's, we get really detailed with it, but you know, everything from EQ to the drive on it, on a guitar patch to, um, the level, I mean, basic stuff like that as well. Um, we have a music director who also is referencing, um, from in the room with the band to also come into my room and listening. And he has a great ear and he, uh, you know, so we, we dial everything in to get it as, as, as consistent as possible. So for the most part, it is, it is, um, coming to us, Jimmy and myself, um, the same for each song. So we're not having wildly different, uh, levels from each song and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then, yeah, once we're, once we're running through shows and, and, you know, get into doing some actual shows, we will make adjustments and say, you know, that actually in the, when everyone's really playing full tilt, it's, feels a different, we need to change mm -hmm. this a little bit, you know, so we do that stuff, but yeah, um, all the helixes are also coming in a yes. So we have, um, an orange box over in our stage, right guitar rack. And then we have some other AS lines running from our stage left to the monitor world there. And, um, the actual only, um, head amps that we truly have are for drums. And yeah. then miscellaneous things like audience mics and talkbacks and that sort of thing. But drums are our actual drums and two wired vocals are our only two, you know, inputs that we have on stage are actually head amps. So when I say we share gain structure, it's really only like 17 inputs that we actually share. Who has control? Monitors. Yeah. They're the Rupert Neve uh, preamps that we have, the digital Oh yeah, RMP8s I think is what their name is, but yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so it's it's great. So we have, and then that's so that's the stage side, um, and then lots of wireless and whatnot, and then at front of house, yeah. So I have um, a pretty extensive outboard rack of analog gear, um, and so I have an orange box in my front of house rack as well out there because of the dual engines for the seven. So mm -hmm. I, um, run everything, uh, analog through an on um, uh, that goes Maddie into an orange box. And then I also have a, um, UA live rack, UAD live rack. Um, so I am doing 16 channels of plugins for that, but I don't have waves. Um, and so everything's either the UAD or an actual analog piece, or then with the quantum, I have the mustard and the spice rack and, yeah. and then Digico in itself just sounds, I, I like the sound of, of the SD series dynamics yeah, and EQ. So, yeah. So what's your, uh, what's your favorite color that you're adding with your outboard rack these days? So I do a lot of harmonic distortion and saturation and stuff. Yeah. So, um, I have in the last couple of years or year and a half, I've been using, um, the Sonic farm, um, cream liner three. Mm -hmm. Um, and that thing is great. And especially to, 
and I, this year I've been playing around more with the, the fats and the air bands that you can dial in. And, um, I've started messing more with that and it's just honestly, and this is their like whole line they have on their website is you know, get your digital console sound like an analog console. But honestly, it, it, when you're messing with that stuff, it actually does add so much depth and warmth to the mix. It's pretty crazy. Um, another thing I have lots of overstayer pieces, MAS and, um, uh, on a lot of drums and bass and, and, um, I love their products. Um, I have the SFE, um, and SVC comps as well, stereo comps. Um, tube tech stuff is awesome. I, I have an SMC 2B on the two mix as well, nice. um, which is great. Um, yeah, I, I can go through all of it, <laughs> but yeah, well, I, wanna, I, yeah. I remember the first yeah. time I saw the tube tech stuff back in the studio days and it yeah. was like the engineer that I was working with at the time, I was mixing a project, um, at integrity studios when they were down in mobile yeah. and they had a bunch of that stuff in their outboard yeah. rack and he, he had the tube tech patched on the two mix and it was like, turn it on. Oh, that sounds really great. Bypass. That's really not great. Yeah. Turn it back yeah. on. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Okay, good. I mean, yep. and it's like you say, it's subtle. It's like, what's that really doing? But man, it's, it's impactful. Very it cool. It is. Yeah, it is. It's, I, I, I know obviously a lot of people are just doing plugins or all within the console. And I think I've done that as well. Um, and still do on, on gigs, but, um, I do think there is a benefit to having the analog and uh, it adds, I think, characteristics that aren't just found within digital. Yeah. Um, that's cool. In my opinion. So, yeah. Any, any new gear for next year that you're dreaming about thinking about I, wanting to switch out? Yes. Um, buddy of mine, let me borrow a West audio, um, Dion stereo compressor on this last show we did a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to buy that because now I put that on overheads and it, um, it really was awesome. Added some nice weight and depth to the overheads and, and it, you know, it, again, it's, it's small little increments, but I think as you keep adding those on, it just continues yeah. to just add a level. Do you can. end up having to, uh, with all this outboard gear, having to figure out noise floor? So yes and no. I mean, it's not, I mean, it definitely are, there is a noise floor for sure. Um, power I've learned is you have to get great, um, a great power setup in your rack. And I did have some kind of just cheaper, you know, uh, power strips, if you will, that I was using to plug everything in. And there was some pretty bad noise floor issues. And then hmm. we replaced those with better quality uh, piece and, was perfectly fine. So stuff like that, like I've noticed that you do, but honestly, besides having to calibrate the SMC to be about once a month, I've not had too many problems at all. Thank you. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And my rack a couple of years ago fell off a forklift, which was really fun to watch. Happen. Oh no. Um, it was lifting up and then his forks were just a little too narrow, but then he kind of like swung around really quick and he had it, like overhead height high. I was just like, why are oh. you doing all, and he wasn't even close to the stage to fork it on to like, it's like, why are you doing this man? And anyway, just 
I was walk, I was at front of house and it just watched it go and it just landed on its side. Uh, but everything worked. It was amazing. Wow. I was amazed. I have a good bit of tube stuff in there and and um, you know some other pieces, but it was I was amazed. So yeah, well, that's awesome. Shout out to Spectrum Sound Racks. So there you go. Always, <laughs> you go. Always the oh, best. Yeah. So for the person who's listening to all that and goes, man, that sounds awesome. You know, Bible says thou shalt not covet, and I'm finding myself coveting right now, that whole deal. <laughs> yeah. But it's just not practical for them. I think the lesson is whether you have plugins or not, whether you have outboard gear or not, the biggest takeaway is getting the sounds right in the first place. And I think yeah. that that could be a huge lesson for, you know, the guy listening who may be at a small church and doesn't have access to some of these tools. There is a lot that you can do to get the sound right before it even hits the console. Make mm -hmm. sure what the microphone is hearing, what the DI is picking up, whatever the case may be, that that is as good as can possibly be because that's going to set the stage for everything that comes after. You know, you said the outboard gear is really just adding that last little bit of sparkle or that last little bit of, you know, warmth and depth, warmth or depth and whatever you want yeah, to say, yeah. but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be able to do what it's doing without good sounds in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been doing this for a while now and just what I've learned is the goal is to actually do less. Like you don't want to have to do a ton on the, the mix side of things because yeah. if you are, then something's wrong what you're getting, you know, or it could be better. Um, and so you're right. Yeah. It's, it comes down to, um, how you're receiving the sound. Um, is it mic'd correctly? Is it the right mic for what you're miking? Uh, or what the musician's playing? Um, is your gain structure correct? You know, there's lots of different things that, um, you need to figure out before you even get to the point of like putting something cool on there or even just, doing the channel strip EQ on the console, like, or, a, yeah. or whatever compressor you want to be able to get that sound to, to be as great as possible coming to you and then do whatever you have to do to just make the mix work together. That's more what I'm doing. And when I am in rehearsal, we're, I'm thinking from a mix perspective of like, how is this all going to come together to yep. tell the story of whatever this song is. And, um, so more where I'm coming from is a creative side of things, not necessarily a, um, you know, having to do certain things to, to fix on the front of house side of things, if that makes right. sense. And so, yeah, totally. um, that's why we spend so much time getting everything correct on the stage side, on the musician. That's side. cool. Trey, what's in, uh, what's, uh, miking up your kit these days? Yeah. So we have a 91 on the kick and a, a telephone can M82 on the kick out yeah. uh and then we we kind of jimmy brought some other things that he's more familiar with so we have like a barodynamic 201 on snare top hmm. uh we have a ribbon the sure ksm 313 on the bottom which is great um and we actually have that set up on both main snare and second snare as well awesome. so a 201 and a 313 on both snares a lot of times our drummer will have so he changes his snare drums almost every single song. Um, and so a lot of times, like what is on snare two will sometimes be on the main snare, the same drum. So we wanted to be able to have the uh, consistency on the miking. 
we have a Sennheiser 441 on the hi hats, and we undermike that. Okay. Um, and then 904s on the uh, Sennheiser E904s on Toms, and then we have the um, oh the 201 Fets on overheads. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, we have a bunch of different kind of brands running around, and um, that's great. Yeah. So. And then TR's vocal. So this year we were on a KSM 11 for his capsule. And how do you which, like that, Mike? I like it. I like parts of it. Um, it. So we have found last year we were on a DPA 4018 V. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that one as well. Um, super warm and great. But with TR, we found that with these condensers, a lot of times they start to lose their character and their, um, uh, their kind of just presence, if you will. And so we've had- You think that's just a function of getting beat up over time? Like they're just getting sung on, sweated in and spit in so hard? That's the question. And and we've been trying to figure that one out and what we can do to help prevent that, you know? But so we- we would swap both mics out, um, and then we went to the Sure, um, thinking it would be a little bit more. Um, hopefully, DPA and Sure won't hate me for saying all this, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, yeah. Um, but uh, we went to the Sure to hopefully have it be a little bit more durable, and it was better, but still had it kind of had to swap out a few times. So hmm. I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Spit people like, you know, TR is really active. Like he'll hand it out to the audience and they grab yeah. it and yell in it. And we're out in rain. We're out in, you know, hot sometimes yeah. and weather humid. And so it's just, yeah. Live, live vocal mic will take a beating for sure. Jumping off the yeah, stage, totally. running over a barricade. I mean, it is definitely getting, getting tested out there, but, um, but no, both both those mics sound great, um, yeah. and they've been great for us. And TR loves them, which is awesome. TR also, uh, this is not my world at all, but quickly monitor side of things. We have some cool out the Pearl and the Rubies from JH Audio. You guys heard about okay. that? No. It's basically like a, um, a speaker processor, if you will for your in-ears and you wear a second pack and it just is connected with the eighth inch cable out of your uh, wireless pack into the Pearl, which is JH will take a shot of your um, hearing and apply it to the speaker processor in that pack, as well as the actual in-ears that you have, which they call the rubies and calibrate those specific in-ears to this pack so that everything's perfectly in phase and time with one another. And just as what you do in like a studio situation um, with like a Trinov or something like that. And it's a game changer. That's cool. You know, a lot of artists are very different in the way they approach gear and sounds and their ears and all that. Is he, is he pretty particular? Like, is he kind of, real fastidious about what he's hearing or um jeff you're stepping into a territory i don't like to go into which is <laughs> well you're monitors. not the monitor engineer so you can <laughs> yeah. you can just I tell stories yeah, anecdotally I, right 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 
I've heard. Theoretically, I've heard. No, uh, Jimmy's, I think, in, is an incredible engineer. Um, and everyone loves what he's doing. So I, he has definitely done amazing things for TR's mix. Trey, tell people where they can find you on the socials. Where do you live on the internet? Yeah, um, I am on as Trey Smith on Facebook and uh, Instagram. I think it's Smith Trey. Ah, real, cool. real simple. Oh, you have to really spice it up there. Yeah. Getting the creativity going on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, for those of you who can ever get out to hear Trey's mix, get out to see Thomas Rhett, I know that you're going to have a great time. The band is awesome. TR is such a great entertainer and a great human. Um, and obviously the crew is awesome. So if you have a chance, make sure to check it out because you will not be disappointed. Trey, this has been awesome. Thank you so much yeah, for thank you guys. the combo today. And I'm excited because for those of you who don't know, I'll just make it public. Trey is going to be contributing some video content to the MXU platform in the next few months. And so we're super excited to have Trey's voice become a part of our platform ongoing. And I just know that your, your influence and your knowledge and wisdom is going to really inspire a ton of people. So thank you for partnering with us on that. Can't yes. wait to see how that goes. And just so glad to have you part of the team. It's awesome. Thank you. Happy to be a part. Excited. Good to talk to you, Trey. You too, guys. See ya. Man, I feel like guys like Trey are hard to find. 100%. Like kind, seems balanced. Yep. I mean, I'm sure he's yelled at Alec a time or two, but Alec probably deserved it. He deserved it. it, yeah. Alex the prankster, but he's so kind. He just feels balanced. Like it feels like the kind of guy you want to go to when something's going a little awry in your life. Yeah. Cause he's probably got a very, just a uh, good outlook at things. Yeah. So. Well, and I love his heart for the church and the fact that he serves at his home church when he's home and was part of kind of founding this small church. And, you know, as much as he's a part of huge, massive events, there's this sort of hyper local, family-oriented, intimate thing that he's, you know, using to lead people to Jesus, which is amazing too. So, man, what a great conversation. I think it just goes to show touring, church, it doesn't matter. Community is so important. Yeah. And you can tour 300 days a year, but knowing you have a group of people to come home to. 100%. Yeah. So speaking of community, um, with MXU next year, we're really going to focus on community for our live events next year we're going to focus on more local regional events to be able to get people face to face together in a room from the same town the same area to be able to pour into each other learn from each other and care for each other which is going to be great i can't wait for next year and what's coming in 2024 i know you're going to be excited love it well everyone's in the middle of festive season so go hug all your favorite people love it. enjoy the party drink the mulled wine or whatever people drink this time of year, eggnog. I don't drink eggnog. Do you drink eggnog? You know, I can drink about an eggnog every year. Like just one, just for the taste. I yeah. do like the taste, but so heavy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get all up in the eggnog, but I do enjoy the flavor. Yeah, I get that. Well, this time of year is really festive and incredible, and people generally seem to be their best self this time of year, but I know it comes with a little sadness, so. yeah. As always, check check on your people. Check on your fellow production people who are working 90 hours a week. Yeah, 100%. And uh, 
give yourself a break, you know? Great. Well, Merry Christmas, Jay. Love you. And uh, everybody out there, we'll see you in 2024. <laughs>